In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The text for this morning's sermon is the Gospel appointed for Rorate Kaeli, the fourth Sunday of Advent. The Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter, beginning at verse 19. Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then are you, Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Beth Abara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Thus far the text. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus the Lord is the coming One and He is coming. His way is being prepared by St. John the Baptist. Today is the Sunday of Rorate Kaeli from the Latin of the introit, Rorati Caeli de Super et Nubes Pluant Justum. These are the words in Latin of Isaiah chapter 4, verse 8. Rain down, you heavens from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness, justum, justice. But the introit continues, Be not angry, O Lord, and no longer remember our iniquity. Behold, the holy city is made a wilderness. Sion is deserted, Jerusalem a desolation, the house of your holiness and your glory, where our fathers praised thee in the longer version. And so St. John the Baptist is out in the wilderness. Those who would receive his message of repentance, we were talking about this in Sunday school class this morning, that we are not just psychic beings, that there's value to physically doing things. Physically standing, physically kneeling in church, all of these things. Those who would receive the message of repentance had to physically acknowledge that they are in the spiritual wilderness by going out to where John was. 
They had to acknowledge that Zion is deserted. Jerusalem a desolation. They go out to Him where He is at the Jordan to be baptized, to pass through the waters that they might yet leave the spiritual wilderness of sin and enter into the spiritual promised land of salvation. As he was thus fulfilling the vocation of his preparatory ministry, we hear that the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? Whoever these Jews were, it says that they came from the Pharisees. They were appointees to the task in which they are engaged. This isn't some populist movement. They aren't going... The Pharisee leadership isn't going to go out there themselves. Oh, no. But they'll send their people out to ask. For the Pharisees themselves, they intend neither to admit that they are in a spiritual wilderness, nor to inconvenience themselves with the trip. But they want to know John's story so they can know what it is they're dealing with out there. John himself must have been quite a sight. No razor had ever touched his head. His hair and beard were just as long as the Maker of heaven and earth was pleased to let it grow. He wore a camel hair robe with a leather belt tied around to hold it all together. He was hardly a Paris fashion statement. He ate locusts and wild honey, we are told. Locusts, well, that's roughly grasshoppers. And where did he get that wild honey? This is something I know a little about. Bees don't surrender their food stores without a fight. And John didn't have one of those white overalls with the zipper to hold the veil down and protect his face from being stung. So he had to go out into the middle of nowhere to hear him. And when you got there, you got a walking, talking, living, breathing violation of every social convention of propriety that you could think of. Those who went to him did not go because he fulfilled their expectations of propriety. 
They didn't go because he was a pretty boy or a brill cream prophet. They went there for one reason, one reason only. The message. It wasn't the man, it was the message. And that message was this, the Messiah is coming, get ready. And to prepare the way for Him, start by repenting of your sins. But back to the people who sent Him. They asked that question, Who are you? And what does John say? I am not the Christ. What a bizarre answer. So imagine I call you up on the phone and for whatever reason, the phone isn't alerting you that this is probably a scam. You pick it up and say, hello, who is it? And I said, well, I am not John Wayne. You might laugh. You might get irritated. But you might very well respond, I would. Listen, I didn't ask you who you aren't. I asked you who you are. Well, John knows that. But as we have already observed... He just wasn't overburdened with a sense of obligation to observe unwritten rules of social convention. And especially not when there is something you need to know. In fact, his answer is introduced... by St. John the Apostle recording this with the words, He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. This was his confession. And it was fundamentally negative. The first thing we need to get straight here is who I'm not. An important component of faithful confession, and we as confessional Lutherans need to have a firm grasp of this, but an important component of faithful confession is the rejection of of false doctrine, the rejection of wrong ideas, especially the rejection of very popular wrong ideas. And one popular wrong idea at the time was that John just might be the coming one himself. He might be the Messiah. So he rejects clearly that wrong idea. 
He goes on to reject the notion that he is literally Elijah returned from the dead, although in terms of his ministry, he was the fulfillment of the Lord's promise in Malachi to send Elijah before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Our Lord makes that clear later on. But John wanted to make it clear, no, he wasn't the same guy. John was that forerunner, but he goes still further and rejects the idea that he was the expected prophet either. When he finally does say something affirmative about himself, he affirms merely that he is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Make straight what is crooked. You're crooked. Repent of your sins. This is how he urged people to prepare for the coming of the Christ long ago. And it is still how we both prepare to receive Him at the altar and how we prepare for Him to come again in glory and for that matter, how we prepare to celebrate His coming the first time here in a week. Repent of your sins. Cling in faith to the one that John admitted his sandal strap he was unworthy even to loosen. Cling to Christ Jesus the Lord. Why? Well, quite simply because Jesus came to do something John could not remotely have done. No man could. Jesus had come to atone for the sin of the world. If John wanted a Savior, he certainly had to admit to himself that he couldn't save himself. He was not that Savior. If John wanted his hearers to be saved, he could not allow them to be misdirected, not even misdirected toward an over-aggrandized version of himself. And as you would be saved, you need to know that you cannot be your own Savior. John cannot be your Savior No pastor can be your Savior. Least of all this one. It's not the man. It's the message. And the message is Christ Jesus. He is true God begotten of the Father from all eternity. He is true man born of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And with both a true divine nature 
and a true human nature. He is forevermore one person, both natures united therein. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. We celebrate the person of Christ. We celebrate that true God has become true man. But having said that, we're not stopping there. Oh no! We celebrate that true God has become true man, but that God-man, Christ's person, by itself doesn't do us any good. There are some people who make this horrible mistake about Christmas. God and man were separated. Now in Christ, God and man are back together again. Problem solved. Oh no. This person of Christ, this God-man, had a work to do, a vocation to fulfill, A vocation that, as we said a moment ago, no one else could do. No one else could do it because no one else had both the divine and the human natures needed to do what needed to be done. We needed that Christ to lead a perfect life for us. Because none of us do, not even John the Baptist, as John himself so clearly indicated. We are all sinners. We are all unworthy to loosen the strap of Jesus' sandal, as God is perfect, and heaven is perfect. No imperfect thing may enter there. We too must be made perfect in order to gain entry into heaven. For surely perfection can allow no spot of imperfection into it without ceasing to be perfect. And how are sinners supposed to be made perfect? They certainly cannot make themselves perfect. Jesus had to be perfect for us. So, next question, how does that perfection get transferred from Jesus to us? Well, it happens because our imperfection, our sins, have been transferred to Him as our perfect One. Received the baptism of a common sinner from John and suffered the full penalty for the sin of the world when He offered Himself up as an atoning sacrifice on the cross. 
through our baptism into His death and resurrection. Through repentant faith in Him as our Savior. We release our sins to Him. And we receive His holy perfection. And are thus made worthy to leave behind this wilderness and to enter into the gates of heaven, the new Jerusalem. So then we too pray, rain down, you heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. O God, our Father, rain down holy righteousness on us all through faith in the true Christ, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.